0: Else. Blog Talk Radio. Oh mama, I'm in fear for
2: my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep.
0: man is
1: putting in to my running
2: and I'm so far from my home. will not go home. gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December.
0: Oh, mama, I can hear you are crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't know play football. He's coming down from the gallows, and I don't have very long. Woo! Woo! Thank
1: Guitar of Tommy Shaw, the golden voice of Dennis DeYoung. When you hear sticks and when you hear renegade, you know it's Steeler football. And it's July, and camp is coming in just a couple of weeks, and we can feel it. I am Brian Davis. Welcome to Steeler Six Pack of Fact or Fiction. And with me tonight, I'd like to welcome Zach Parnes. Zach was born in Shadyside, and now he finds himself in Frederick, Maryland. But tonight, he is finding himself in Los Angeles, California, where he's now with Time Warner Cable Sports. Zach, welcome to Behind the Steel Curtain. Brian,
0: thank, Brian, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to get back to the root of talking Steelers football Been a fan my entire life and more so into sports my entire life. So, this is a a nice little treat for me to actually get to talk about a team that I'm into for once instead of the Dodgers.
1: (laughs) The Los Angeles Dodgers, I'm sure you could teach me a little bit about that, but uh, all I want to talk about is black and gold. So, uh, I'm still on that bucko and I'm raising the Jolly Roger even though we didn't do it today. But, uh, you know, I love sports too and love my Pittsburgh sports, and I'm glad to have you here. As always, Steeler Six-Pack Fact or Fiction is brought to you by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and West Virginia and home to one of the nation's top 100 ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. For his PA office, call 412-212-3878 or to reach his West Virginia office, call 304-712-2089. You should also check out his website, frankwalkerlaw.com, to see how he can help you in your time of need. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real experience, real results. The show is also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Visit them at www.centerfieldsmoke.com. As always with Steelers' six-pack of fact or fiction, what we do is we just take bold statements regarding the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers and we label them as fact or fiction. It's simple as that. Now, our views are not always going to coincide, and neither were yours, so feel free to join us in this verbal rumble we call fact or fiction by calling 347-850-8581. So, Zach, are you ready to rip open the Steelers six-pack of fact or fiction?
0: Let's get it. I'm ready right now.
1: All right, let's get it on. Number one, Alvin Bud Dupree is the next linebacker to be selected to the Pro Bowl for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fact or fiction?
0: You know, I'm I'm going to have to go with fiction on this one, Brian, And and there's one man who I think is going to earn it over him, and obviously – He's had some injury concerns in the past, but he might be one of the hardest-hitting Steelers in the last couple of years, and that man is straight out of the Ohio State University, and it's none other than Ryan Shazier. Shazier's an absolute freak. I don't need to tell any of you that. If you watch the games, you know that this guy runs fast and hits hard. He, he embodies everything that the Steelers' defense have really become known for uh, since the early 70s with the Steel Curtain, obviously. Uh, you know, Shazier... Like I said, plagued by injury, but now he's headed into his third season. He's got two under his belt where he could really now pose an impact. And if he can make it a full 16-game season, I think we're going to see this guy go to the Pro Bowl before we're even talking about Bud Dupree. Uh, 123 total tackles through two years. A lot is going his way, and now he's starting to move from that outside position into the inside left linebacker spot in the 3-4 uh, things are looking really up for him right now, and I think he's just getting stronger and stronger. You can see it in him every single day. I like shay Zero over Dupree, not to say that my man Bud can't do it either, but I just think that shay Zero is a much better candidate for it.
1: Very good. I am going to agree with you and say fact, and I also know that Bud Dupree has Pro Bowl talent, but when you look at linebackers, outside linebackers throughout the league, there is just – so much talent there and you have a better chance on the inside when you're a player the caliber of Ryan Shazier so I think Ryan Shazier is the next Steeler pro bowler at the linebacker position and I think you hit it on the head we Jeff and I talked about this last week in Factor Fiction can Ryan Shazier play an entire 16 game season and that's really what what we're hoping for but if he does he is going to be not only a Pro Bowler, but he has the caliber of play to be NFL Defensive Player of the Year. That is how good Ryan Shazier, if his body could hold up, that is going to be able to be the thing that tells the tell.
0: Tells the tell. I mean, the, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the guy's only 23 years old. Like I'm saying, you know, it, it, it's very, very early in his career. We can't write him off right away. But, Brian, I think you and I can agree when, when I say that he's my favorite defensive guy in the in the league, obviously, because I am a Steelers fan. But right now for this team, just because of his youth and the energy that he brings to it, um, you know, when he was picked right out of uh, at that 15th spot in 2014, I had my doubts. I was like, listen, you know, there were a lot of corners on the board at that point. Uh, Darcy's Dennard was one who stuck out to me. Oh, I was I like, I I really livid. him. <laughs> and he and he obviously went right before to Cincinnati. And then Shazier comes in, and it's like, well, you know, the Steelers' pass defense hasn't been so hot, but let's just throw another linebacker in there, see how it does. And now he is making their defense almost insufferable. Obviously, they're trying to improve on the pass, but, you know, we draft two guys in round one and two, and Sean Davis and Artie Burns, who are hopefully going to be able to help that out as it goes along. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're both in agreement that it will be Shazier over Dupree.
1: But. We cannot deny the talent of an Alvin Bud Dupree. Last year as a rookie, four sacks, and just coming off the edge with just such precision, and uh, he looks like he could really grow into that position, and uh, we, might, we might see two from them. That. that would be fantastic, but I agree with you. It, I think it's Shazier. His kamikaze style does worry me that he can't hold up, but that, like you said, that remains to be seen. But that very fact, the kamikaze style and the fragility, leads us to number two. Fact or fiction, Marquise Pouncy and Le'Veon Bell are fragile players.
0: All right, so I don't really know how to answer this other than to say it's both fact and fiction. Um, my fiction element is going to go to Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think if you take a look at that tackle that he had against Cincinnati or that he endured – it, that was just freak show status. I mean, that man's knees bent in more ways than, you know, I could count on one hand. So it was pretty terrifying, and obviously it was going to be an injury to sideline him for a long time. And, and this was really a season for the Steelers of what ifs. This was a season where you ask, what if Le'Veon Bell's healthy? What if Marcy Pouncey's healthy? What if all these other guys are healthy? But I think he's the one guy who's really going to be bouncing back from an injury. I mean, there was a really good article that came out yesterday. Jeremy Walker on ESPN wrote it about how Bell's confidence is just head and shoulders above anyone else right now. He just really wants to get out there and play the game that he loves again. He's morphed himself in the last three years to being the best running back in football, which is unbelievable in a crowd of Adrian Peterson and Arian Foster. He's all of a sudden the clear-cut favorite in everyone's book. Now – on the other side of my statement, Marquise Pouncey, Jesus, man, that, that guy must have glass bones and paper skin because I swear to God, every single time that he moves and gets bumped a little bit too hard, he's ending up with some sort of injury. I think that this has now you know, been a repeated thing that we've seen with him. Uh, you know, it, It's really unfortunate, and obviously he was a, a big favorite for a lot of guys. He protected Tim Tebow down there in Florida for a long time alongside his brother, But this is a guy, he's in his sixth season in the league, and we've seen four bad injuries from him, four injuries where he's missed three or more games. And, you know, there was a a whole bunch of other stuff with his left leg. I mean, he had seven procedures, seven surgical procedures on his leg last year. You know, and, and I feel like, that is also, you know, due to some freak accidents, obviously when HaHa Clinton Dix fell onto the back of his leg and everything. But, man, Pouncey, he just seems to take a beating from all different angles. Offensive linemen are trees, okay, and they need their trunk to support them. In this case, their trunk is not their torso, it's their legs, and this man's legs have been torn up so many times. So I'm going to go a split response on that. I think that Bell is going to be a sturdy player, but I don't think that Pouncey has the longevity in this league.
1: Well, Zach, I appreciate you saying that, and I'm going to disagree with you. I will agree with you on Le'Veon Bell, but I'm going to disagree with you on Marquise Pouncey. I'm actually tired of hearing a lot of people say that this is a fragile guy. You mentioned Ha Clinton-Dix last year in the preseason, rolled up on him. The opening day in 2013 against the Tennessee Titans, when, ironically, his uh, future coach was on the other side, Mike Munchak, was the head coach of the Titans at the time, he got rolled up on. And against the New York Jets in the 2010-2011 AFC Championship game, he got rolled up on by his own player, and he didn't get to play in the Super Bowl. This guy keeps on getting nailed, and if I got hit like that, I'd be dead. (laughs) I mean, I I can tell you that I don't know if I can handle any of those hits and uh, most people can't, but for this guy to be able to rehab in the off season and get back out there and play, I think it's freak accidents. I think that's all it is. I don't think it's a situation where this guy is brittle and you said it, that, that he must be brittle. And I, I understand that. I just don't see it that way. I think this is, a tough guy that's had some bad, bad luck. And uh, when we see a full 16 games out of this guy, we know we have it good. So you just, we just have to protect this guy and make sure that, Listen. in fact, I don't want to see number 53 in the preseason, but maybe, uh, maybe one or two series whatsoever. I don't think we need to. I think this you know, guy I, is I, I, tough, that- he just had some bad luck.
0: Listen, I'll say this. You're definitely right. It definitely does not go without any sort of bad luck having him, you know, injured a number of times. I mean, that is that is just plain bad luck. But at the same time, we're talking about a guy who's 6'4", 305 pounds, getting hurt from all different angles. He, he, he seems to play almost with that kind of reckless style that we talk about with Shazier. And it's funny that I'm saying that for an offensive lineman because the guy literally has pretty much two jobs, which is run and pass blocks. Uh, But he's putting himself out there, you know, he's making sure that he's establishing a wide stance, which is leading to a lot of these leg injuries and whatnot. Uh, It's been a big problem with his game that's been critiqued for a long time, but it's also been an advantage for him because it makes him so. his lateral movement is fantastic. He can get from guy to guy and not have to worry. I mean, obviously, he's at the center position, but you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, a bull linebacker or your jack linebacker coming in through the side because he's going to be able to get to him uh, under those circumstances. I do agree with you, a little bit of bad luck. Still being said, he's got to do something to fix it, make sure he's not out there getting banged up all the time.
1: One more thing on Pouncy, they pull the guy a lot. The guy is in pulling situations, and uh, he's leaving himself out there to get nailed. So uh, we will agree to disagree on that one. On Le'Veon Bell, yeah, you know, he's just getting, the guy's getting attacked, and he's getting hit. And when you're a running back, that's just happening these days. It's not that he's fragile. The guy's a running back. And at this point, you know, they just don't have the longevity that they seem to do for years. You're not going to be seeing a Franco Harris playing for 12, 13 years there. You're not going to be seeing a guy like the bus playing forever. It's just not going to happen. We just need to keep Le'Veon Bell healthy and Marquise Bouncey healthy. That's the bottom line to that. Let's move on to number three. And before we move on to number three, I just want to mention, we have a couple people on hold, and we will get to you as soon as we get a chance to. But we're going to move on, so please be patient. And if you do want to call in, feel free to do so. Once again, it is 347-850-8581. So let's move on to number three, Antonio Brown, good old A.B. He breaks the NFL single-season reception mark. In 2016, fact or fiction?
0: You know, this one was a really tough one for me. And I think if you take a look at, you know, the the crowd that he is mentioned in, you know, right now, there's a lot of high praise, a lot of high praise for Antonio Brown. And I think there's good reason to be. You know, this was a guy who's always sort of played the role of the underdog. I remember hearing for the longest time, and, and this still blows my mind. When the Steelers moved Mike Wallace and didn't give him the money that he wanted, so not technically moved, but just didn't pay him, a lot of guys said, can Antonio Brown even be a number one wide receiver in the league? He might not have the cutting ability. He might not have the reception ability. And here we are, he's standalone the best wide receiver in football. When was, it, when was the last time? That the Steelers, or, or any Pittsburgh team for that matter, had two of the best dominant offensive players in the league when there's such a deep talent pool. I mean, the only other thing I can think of right now uh, was the Pens with Crosby and Malkin, their first time that they came around to it. There are so many offensive threats here for him. Um, And I think that there's a lot of great other guys on this team that are helping to open him up as well. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of different performances from the wideout spot from guys like Marcus Wheaton um, and, you know, Sammy Coates as well is getting in there. I think, though, that he is not going to do it. I think if you take a look, you know, the odds are against him, there's a lot of of difficult things to happen you know he was seven under last year so it's definitely feasible for him to get there but he's got to beat 143 i think marvin harrison will have that record for a few more years but maybe brown can take a crack at it one day
1: well i think the record is going down and i think it's a fact that antonio brown's going to do it if antonio brown doesn't do it holy Hill jones had tied with him last year too. So uh, he has the ability. It is going down. This is a pass-happy league. It's uh, a whole lot happier than it was 20 years ago when we were amazed when – when these guys were starting to break these records, like Herman Moore back in Detroit in 1995, we, it was shocking. And now they're passing so much more. The emphasis is on the pass right now. Ben Roethlisberger is passing better than he ever has in his life, and he is a big key to the success of Antonio Brown. When Antonio Brown went down, he had, in three games, 29 receptions, and the third game wasn't even over yet. He had 11 receptions in that St. Louis game when Ben Roethlisberger went down. As soon as Ben went down, 5, 3, 3, 6. And Ben's first game back, 6. And then he started on the upswing. So if you look at that, when Ben is in the ball game with Antonio Brown, those guys are just on a whole nother nev- level. They are just on a plane where they just, they just know how to connect. They, ben knows where Brown's going to be. Brown knows where Ben's ball is going to be. That's plain and simple. With 136, if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy the entire season, if Antonio Brown is healthy the entire season, that record is going to go down, and you're going to see more dancing from Antonio Brown, not just on ABC on Monday nights.
0: Brian, let me, let me just say really quick before we bring someone else in here or we move on – um, I think that there's another factor here, uh, something that not a lot of people are talking about, and I think it's going to limit, uh, and I'm not going to say that it's going to hinder Brown from catching 115, 120 passes. I think he'll do that. But I think you're going to see 15 to 20 more receptions go to a guy brought in from the off season, and that man, of course, is Ladarius Green. And the reason I think this is because it was the same exact thing when we had a speed threat in Santonio San Holmes. When Heath Miller was really in his prime for catching passes, Ben Roethlisberger looked to him in the red zone, looked to him for those quick six-yard, seven-yard situations where they needed the first down. But Darius Green kind of brings that sort of energy. He's 6'6", 240, you know, a massive guy young with amazing athletic ability, uh, you know, it's only his fifth season in the league, but he really hasn't been given the light of day because he's been playing under Antonio Gates the whole time in San Diego. Now he's the number one tight end without a doubt. He's going to take the spot from, uh, from Matt Spade. I think that that's going to probably hinder Brown from getting those 140 receptions.
1: Well, let's wait and see on that. I'm hoping it happens because if it happens, it means Ben is healthy, it means Brown is healthy, and there's going to be a whole lot of W's in the column. So let's just uh, let's agree to disagree on that one, but that is going to be a fun one to watch. I guarantee you that, Zach. I tell you what, let's try to go to the phones and see what we've got on the line. Caller, are you there? Yes. Yes. Hi. Who do we have here on Factor Fiction? Uh,
0: this is Rich from Tennessee.
1: Rich from Tennessee, welcome to Steeler Factor Fiction. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind?
0: Well, I, I wondered two things. Uh, number one, will will Jesse ever be a decent tight end, or is he just kind of an afterthought? Jesse James? Are we talking? Are we talking Jesse James there from Penn State? Yes. So I. You know, I, I think it's interesting because we really haven't seen a whole lot of this guy, and how are we going to rule someone out you know, from their second season? You know, he, he's a young guy. He's from the Pen, uh, the Pennsylvania area. You know, there's a lot of Steeler fans who really want to see him succeed. Uh, he had a pretty nice outing against Denver where he was blocking pretty efficiently, and he caught a 22-yard pass uh, as well. Otherwise, we haven't seen a whole lot of receptions. I mean, I was just talking about Darius Green. I think that he and Spath are going to get the majority of the reception. Sure, you'll see James in there every once in a while, but I really don't think that he's going to become the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, especially with them going out and making this move on Green. Maybe he finds himself somewhere else, which is kind of unfortunate for his Pennsylvania roots, but it might be what has to happen in this business.
1: Well, I tell you what, Rich. What I'm excited about with Jesse James is the fact that in college, his junior year, he—excuse me, his, uh, his sophomore year—he caught a lot of balls. He uh, he was a focal point of the offense. And then when Bill O'Brien left and Franklin came in, they just took the they took the uh, onus off of him and really weren't even going to him that much at that point. So he. uh so Jesse James, when he came in and he, he caught that first touchdown pass against the Raiders, he, uh, he looks to have some pretty good awareness out there and can show he can catch the ball. But Ladarius Green is not going to be – was not brought in to be a blocker at all. Ladarius was brought in to catch the football, and he's going to have plenty of, plenty of chances. We might see a lot of Jesse James in there with uh, a, a lot – but in blocking opportunities. Um, That's something that they're, uh, with Heath Miller gone, they're going to need somebody to step up. And it might just be Jesse James because Matt space, I don't even know if he's going to make the team this year because of health. I don't even know if he's going to be around this year. So it might be Jesse James more importantly in there for his blocking. What's your second question, Rich? Uh, With all the good
2: young talent we've got, and in a
0: salary cap era, are are we going to be able to retain the guys we want or are we going to have to lose um, just simply because we can't afford them? Well, you know, Rich, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind was a few years ago, and I brought it up earlier with Mike Wallace. You know, this was a guy that a lot of people wanted to stay around, uh, maybe not the fan base because they felt he was asking for too much money, but this was a this was from a talent standpoint, somebody who fit in really well in Pittsburgh. He had some phenomenal years there, and, and kind of since he left, his career has been on the downside. I think, you know, now we're talking about – You know, salary limitations with certain guys. You're not in a perfect world. You'd love to keep everybody, but you're simply not going to be able to. So the question is, what pieces are the most important for you to retain that really aren't going to affect the team that uh, drastically? And, you know, at the time, Wallace was viewed as an expendable piece, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions the Steelers ever made. So you kind of just have to trust in management and what they see uh, in that sort of situation, that being said, I mean, there are certain guys who are going to be at looking for big money, uh, down the line, you know, further down the reserves, especially with, uh, Darius Hayward Bay, the kid out of university of Maryland who all of a sudden still has the same speed that he did in college. You know, he's a nice wide receiver to have in there every once in a while, but a guy like him probably is not going to be able to stick around, uh, as much as we'd like to keep him because he's probably going to be getting some big salary offers. Otherwise, um, I, I really don't know how you feel about this, Brian, but I think it's almost a little bit too difficult uh, to retain just about
1: everybody. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The guy we are, unfortunately, I think we're going to lose after this season. It's going to be Marcus Wheaton. I do not see many opportunities to keep him with, uh, with the other concerns on that team. Cause we have to look at David DeCastro. We're going to have to throw some money at David DeCastro. Also, Antonio Brown, his his contract is going to be coming up, and you know he's going to want, he's going to want a lot of money. And uh, that's someone that seems to be a stealer for life, and I just don't see him going. So that's that's quite possibly a guy you're going to see, no matter how well he does this year, just not being able to fit. It reminds me of old number 88, Emmanuel Sanders, from a couple years ago. I mean, look how – I mean, he was okay in Pittsburgh, but he had some flashes of brilliance. He left. He went to Denver. Next thing you know, he's in the Pro Bowl um, and doing very well. And uh, not only that, fantasy football owners love this guy too. I mean, he, Marcus Wheaton could be that same kind of player as Emmanuel Sanders going to another team and ending up in, in the Pro Bowl, and I'm afraid that's going to happen just because there's not a lot of room. And the other thing is we don't really know – What's going to happen with Martavis Bryant? We don't know about that that uh, suspension. It's not just; it could be more than a year. We that has never been really said. It was always said at least a year. So, so uh, that might that might uh, weigh in on the equation also. So we're in this day and age, you just can't afford to keep a guy because if you wanted to, you would have kept the team would have kept a guy like Sean Spence and. Uh, and kept them for depth but it's just not possible okay. Well, rich, thanks for calling in. With that being said, I- we are at the halfway point of Steeler Fact or Fiction and we are going to go to a break with this message from Frank Walker. Smart or stupid? <laughs> Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh,
0: I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please.
1: Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move.
0: For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805. Or FrankWalkerLaw.com.
1: And the show is also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Visit them at www.centerfieldsmoke.com. Zach, let's go into another caller real quick, and we're going to go to the line right now and see who we have on the line. We're uh, getting a 347 area code here. Caller, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on, guys? Not too much. Thanks for calling in. Who do we have on the line? Uh, this is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. Bryce from Brooklyn, welcome to Six Pack of Steeler Factor Fiction. It's great to talk to you. What's on your mind? Um, well, I wanted to,
2: you know, your first factor fiction when you talked about Bud Dupree being the uh, the, the next Pro Bowl Steeler linebacker. Um, I agree with you guys. I'm going to go fiction, but I'm going to go fiction for a little bit of a different reason. I mean, I think Shazier has. Been a nice find. Um, I also was one of the guys that wanted Denard at the corner position. But I think with Bud Dupree kind of being the pedigree guy that we have, it's not even so much that he's talented as I think he is. I think when you're not getting the type of rush from the right side, Jarvis Jones, of course James Harrison can give you some, but only in spots. I think you don't have to double them anymore. And so I think if you're going to double anyone, you're going to slide a little bit over to Bud Dupree, which means he's going to have to work a little harder. He'll be getting chipped. Slide protection will be to his side. And so that will let Shazier roam free. If we get more rush from the right side, then I think that's going to free up Bud Dupree. But I don't know if we will. So I'm going to say Shazier gets the nod over Dupree.
1: Well, I like the way you're thinking of. Go, Zach. I'll go right ahead, Brian. I like the way you're thinking, and I agree with you completely. That is a great fact. So I think the best thing for Steeler fans would for them both to make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Zach, go ahead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, right now I, I think it's interesting that you bring up the double-teaming comment because just on the other side there's a guy who's probably just as scary as Shays here in Dupree, and that man is Lawrence Timmons. I mean, this is a guy who's now a seasoned vet, 10th season right now, And he has just mastered the art of tackling and getting to the quarterback. Uh, You know, obviously Jarvis Jones hasn't been the hottest uh, factor as of late, but you can definitely think uh, that Timmons is going to help him along the way. So I I agree with you, and I think – and Brian agrees with you as well. You know, we both like Shazier, but definitely great point bringing up that the right side is going to have more to work with with those two scary fellas on the left.
1: Well, it's great to have Brooklyn in the house. Thanks again for calling in. So let's go back, let's go uh, on with uh, Six Pack of Factor Fiction, and let's talk about some of the rookies. Let's start with Javon Hargrave. Factor Fiction, Zach, Javon Hargrave starts week one at nose tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers as a rookie.
0: You know, I'd I love to say facts. I'd love to see the young guy get himself in there. You know, I think that he is a very, very talented player. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people who can learn from him. He brings a great work ethic. That's one of the things that they preached with him uh, was his work ethic, and that's why he was so draftable uh, out of such you know a kind of obscure school, um, coming up in the third round there. So I, I think Hargrave in a perfect world where you know you want to give the ball to the young guys, and maybe if this was a situation where the Steelers were rebuilding, yeah, I think he gets the start there. But but I think for anybody who's been watching the Steelers. Uh, you know a few things right now. You know that right now probably the best player on the defensive side is Cameron Hayward. Now, obviously him at the defensive end slot. He needs someone strong, powerful, and experienced who can do that. And that man is somebody who the Steelers have just brought in, and it's Cam Thomas. Uh, you know, he has really, really been um, a type of guy who's, who's going out there and doing his best. But now Thomas finds himself uh, in St. Louis. So I think that there's you know, a lot of controversy about who's going to end up getting this spot, uh, but I don't think it's going to be hard rave. I'm going to have to go with fiction on this one.
1: So you're saying that Daniel McCullers is going to be the uh, starter Week one yeah, against you know, Washington.
0: Yeah, you as little as I would like to say that, I mean, listen, this is a guy who at least has a few seasons under his belt. I mean, he played really well at Tennessee. We really haven't given him the benefit of the doubt to give him the actual start yet. Why give it to a rookie over the man who, who's worked hard for this spot, uh, you know, and has done his best? Uh, with what he has. He's working on his footwork. He looks a little more agile, but I, I really don't know. I think that we'll probably see Hargrave in there at some point if he, you know, if we don't see enough out of McCullers. But I think for sort of seniority's sake, we're probably going to see him there week one.
1: Well, here's the nice thing, Zach, of a guy like uh, Javon Hargrave. Fifteen sacks last year in college. He is uh, He's not a mountain of a man like a guy like Daniel McCollars, that guy is just humongous at six eight. It's just amazing, but uh, he can't get down like a guy like Javon Hargrave is going to be able to get down. Also, you know, you're seeing a lot of four three these days, and the traditional Joel Steed, Casey Hampton type nose tackle in Pittsburgh, that's uh, that's evolved. That's gone by the wayside, and I think you're going to. Sp- be seeing a guy like uh, Hargrave being moved over into a second defensive tackle. So you might be seeing both of them. As far as the starter week one, I just don't think it's going to be the rookie. But I would say by week three, week four, you're going to see Javon Hargrave coming out, out of the tunnel at Heinz Field. Here's the thing, though. The starter.
0: You know, the NFL... Brian, the NFL is becoming such a pass-first league, and that was the biggest knock on him in his draft profile was the fact that he is so raw as a pass rusher. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's built really well, but that is a blessing and a curse for him because he's relying on it so much that he doesn't actually let himself finesse enough or use some moves to get to the quarterback. You know, in a league, especially against teams, Like, you know, when you're going into Baltimore and you're playing against Joe Flacco, uh, you know, who the rest of the world seems to think is elite, but we obviously know better. Uh, When you're playing against the Tom Brady's or, you know, Aaron Rodgers of this league where they're dropping back 40, 50 times a game, it's going to be really difficult for a guy like that to get in there who's relying on raw athleticism at the next level against some of the best centers and guards in the league. I don't know. I I think it's definitely going to take a little bit of a learning curve for him to get the feel of a pro game. I like McCollum's foot. All right. We
1: will agree to disagree on that one also. Let's uh, go to number five. And, in fact, Zach, I'll let you take over this one on one of your fellow Marylanders.
0: <laughs> one of my fellow Marylanders right here. That man is none other than Sean Davis. Now, Sean Davis – Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a very flexible player at UMD, played both safety and cornerback, but, however, was drafted uh, mainly to play the safety position. So our factor fiction here, number five, Brian, factor fiction, Sean Davis will play corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers some point this season.
1: I'm going to go with a very, very lean fact, in different packages he might play, but he's brought in to be a safety. And he's stronger. He's more of a hitter. He is The Steelers drafted him as a safety, and I don't think his production at corner, although it was okay in the Big Ten last year, it, it wasn't what he made his name for as a safety. So, yeah, we're probably going to see him maybe in different packages in being able to play him as a corner, but uh, I don't think that's what he's there for.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that that is a, uh, as much as a tentative fact as it is a probable fiction for you. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say fiction in it myself. Listen, the guy's super stubborn. He He's dedicated to learning lots of things. Cool little side bit. About Sean Davis, he's actually trilingual in Chinese, French, and English, and he always said growing up, it was so difficult for him to learn Chinese, but he kept putting his nose to the grindstone, uh, and then finally ended up learning it, and can now speak it fluently. So, it, this is the type of work ethic that you're going to get out of this guy. I'll be dropping an article, hopefully on BPFC, a little bit more of an in-depth feature on him, but he's really an amazing player, but at the same time, his character and doesn't want him to say that he can't really play corner. Listen, this was a guy, when they played Bowling Green, was beat for 128 yards at the left corner slot for Maryland uh, and gave up two big touchdowns, I mean, to a team that was so average. Maryland ends up winning the game. But the longevity of it is that this guy can't compete with NFL wide receivers, match up one-on-one straight from the line. It's, it's just not going to happen. He loves to hit. This guy is super Palomalu-esque. I, I hate to compare anyone to one of my favorite players to ever play football. But this guy loves to run fast and hit hard. He's much better out of the farther backfield. He's a safety. Don't even try him in corner.
1: Very good. What about, what about playing time for, for a guy like Davis this year? With uh, Rob Golden in there, are, you, are we going to see a lot of him?
0: You know, he's a second-round pick, so you've got to assume that he is going to come out at some point. Uh, Robert Golden obviously has had his moments, but I think when we come to the end of the year, we're going to see Mike Mitchell starting alongside Sean Davis. That's going to be the two-safety setup uh, for the Steelers there.
1: Well, i tell you what. I am definitely excited about Sean Davis. When they drafted him, I was thrilled. There was – some people that, that were complaining because everybody wanted Andrew Billings every single round. But I was excited about Sean Davis coming in. I, I'm, excited about, I'm excited about the fact that he is tri-lingual. <laughs> I am excited about the fact that this guy's a hitter and has great character. But I think I'm most excited about the fact that I could finally get a, a jersey with my last name on it Uh, because i could never get a Kerry davis jersey back in the day so now i could wear one and not be cheesy and uh so i'm going to (laughs) be looking for that number 28 sean davis jersey and i'm hoping to be one of the first ones to have it so i can have my last name and his and i'm going to buy my son one too (laughs) 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 well let's move on to number six the last Can and the Six-Pack of Fact or Fiction. And this is one I think we are going to get into a little rumble over and uh, some ruffled feathers here. Number six, Fact or Fiction. If Ben Roethlisberger does not hoist the Lombardi Trophy at season's end in 2016, his championship window will be closed.
0: You know, Brian, I, I, I take you and I talked about this a little bit before the program, and I agree. There's, there's going to be some haymakers flying here. I'm going to say fiction 150%. This is a team. I, I led off today's segment with last year's Steelers were the what-if Steelers. That was a team where if everyone was healthy, they definitely could have squared off with Denver and battled for that AFC division title on their way to a Super Bowl. And I am of the belief that if everyone was there, Carolina, it would have been a really tight matchup. Cam might have exploited us a little bit deeper. But who knows? The championship window is not over for Ben Roethlisberger, and I'll tell you why. You have, like we were saying earlier, the best two offensive players in football. Le'Veon Bell at your halfback, and then, of course, you got Antonio Brown out wide. Roethlisberger, playing better football than he ever has at his age. I mean, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that the guy from Miami of Ohio, okay, literally the savior of this team at age 34 is playing better than when he won a Super Bowl at 26 or 28. This is a guy who honestly has a lot going for him, and the team is just getting better. The team is just getting better. We just talked about one of the draft picks. How about we talk about the first-round draft pick, Artie Burns? Those are two guys straight off the bat who are now addressing the Steelers' greatest weakness. I I felt like this year's draft was the first year ever where the Steelers took a look and said, hmm, where are our problems? And then drafted to fit those problems. The Steelers have always been on the draft, the best player available, offensive, on defensive standpoint. This was a draft for need pick. And Artie Burns is going to come out there, probably starting at the corner spot. And let's hope he helps the Steelers' path defense. I think that with the changing pace of the league, there are a lot of teams in the AFC right now who are restructuring. Denver without Peyton Manning is completely different. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of other teams. You know, the Patriots are making runs at certain guys, but even they are not invincible either. And, you know, I, I think the most interesting thing is is when you take a look across the division, it feels pretty weak. Um, You know, I I definitely think the Bengals could be serious contenders at one point, but do I think they have every piece? No shot. I think the Patriots are always a threat. Uh, You know, you got some teams out west in Kansas City that could potentially make some knocks. The Steelers are set for a long time. They've got a nice balance of young talent uh, along with drafting towards their slots where they are going to have a lot of or where they had a lot of issues. So for that reason, I'm going to have to say a hard fiction.
1: Well, in the National Football League in the landscape of 2016, you need to have those stars like you mentioned. And in 2016, the stars are here. If they align now, I really think they're going to win the title this year. I think it could happen if the defense plays top ten defense and what they drafted for. If it's, if, if it's what's what been set up for for 2016, it's probably going to happen. If everything goes right. However, not everything goes right because you saw last year, I agree with you 100% that in 2015, if you had a healthy team, That team is hoisting number seven, and we're talking about number eight this year. But, you know, injuries are going to happen. And also, you're going to start losing players. We just talked to Rich about 10, 15 minutes ago about keeping these guys. David DeCastro might not be a stealer for life. Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, they are at the end of their contract year. This is it. This is their last year. Possibly, you're not going to have both of them after this year, and you might not have any of them, and you might not even have your fullback Roosevelt Nix. Roosevelt Nix, his contract is up too, so that's three running backs right there. That it, it might be completely changed. Antonio Brown wants huge money. What if they decide not to give it to him? The time is now. The writing is on the wall for right now for this to be a championship team. What? scares me is the fact that this could be it for the Ben Roethlisberger era. I'm hoping it's not. In my heart, I don't think it is, so that's why I'm going to say fiction, but I'm scared to death to say fiction. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm right when I say fiction, but I hope my fears are completely wrong, and you're seeing a run for years and years and years, and we're we're adding 7, 8, 9, 10. But is it going to happen? With the parody in this league? with the fact that any team that could go 3-13-1 a year and be in the playoffs the next year, just don't know. In this league, you have 32 teams. One team's going to win it. They're all making changes to win that. I think this is the year, and it might be 2016 or bust, but I'm going to go with fiction. I'm going to go with my heart and say it's not the end, but it scares me.
0: No, and you, and you have good reason to be scared, and I completely hear your points out. I mean, the, the Rich point is phenomenal. I mean, there's definitely going to be some guys who walk away. I think the Steelers are going to do their best to retain Le'Veon. Um, you know, Antonio Brown's a few years away, so we'll see what kind of contract he lands. He'll probably land the, the largest contract for a wide receiver ever, I'm projecting, right now. But, you know, we're, we're going to see where this goes. But for right now, they should focus on winning ballgames. And if they get to that point, cross that bridge when you get there. Isn't that right? (laughs) You got it. Well, we have just
1: concluded our original six-pack, but you know what? I feel like it's happy hour, and we need to throw in a few more. So, Zach, why don't you unload your final fact of the night?
0: (laughs) My final fact of the night is actually a little bit about a man we were just talking about, and that is Antonio Brown. Now, I did say fiction to the earlier comment. I will admit, I said fiction. He might not break the NFL season, single season record, and I don't think he will. But if he does, fact, Antonio Brown will be the MVP of the National Football League this year. That's right. I think that this guy has the potential if he smashes that record to smash a few more and really lead the Steelers to be a top echelon team. Now, like I said, Ladarius Green might get involved in there. Obviously, Marcus Wheaton and Sammy Coates, two other wideouts to go for it. But this is one of the most special offensive talents the Steelers have ever had, ever, without a doubt, he is better right now than Heinz Ward ever was. He is better right now than Lynn Swan ever was. Some of the greatest Steelers ever who have won Super Bowl MVP, he is playing better than right now. So you can book it right now. If I am wrong on that fact or fiction from earlier, I'll say that he takes the MVP, and maybe he takes home a nice little paycheck to go with it, which I'm sure is included with that MVP.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I am going to go back to 1994 right now to the Quentin Tarantino classic Pulp Fiction and quote John Travolta as Vinny Vega and say, that's a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping you're right. Because I tell you what, that is, amazing, that is an amazing talent we have in Pittsburgh. I think he is a one-of-a-kind talent. Um, is he the greatest receiver in, in Pittsburgh history? We'll do that another week. But, because you've got those big names, you, you've got Stalworth, you've got Swan, you've got Heinz Ward, and you, you've got Louis Lips. But Antonio Brown is up there in the equation. I hope he is MVP this year. He has the MVP Lego haircut. I hope he's hoisting not only the Lombardi trophy, not only the MVP trophy, I want to see him holding up the Super Bowl MVP trophy. So we will see on that one. Very good on your final fact of the night. My final fact of the night goes to what I feel like is a jinxed number. So my final fact, the Steelers equipment manager, Rogers Frivogel, needs to refrain from the distribution of the number 10 for a while. Now, a lot of people are saying to me when I bring up this fact, they're like, Brian, we still have a number 10. Exactly my point. Martavis Bryant is wearing number 10. He's a tease. He has teased us since he has been a rookie with his talent and then turning around with his antics off the field and, not, and missing drug tests and not being able to be in the lineup, suspended six games last season, suspended how many games this season? 16 and maybe more than that. So 22 games suspended so far It's what we're looking at in a guy like that. He's teasing me with the greatness with that number. What other teases have we had with that number? Santonio Holmes, you mentioned him earlier, number 10. He was drafted. They traded up to draft him in 2006 out of Ohio State University. Excuse me, the Ohio State University. They, they moved up to draft him. Whether they traded with the Giants. They picked this guy. They were so excited with this player. I was. I was doing flips when they got this guy. Next thing you know, he's mouthing off to a cop and he has to cut his dreads because the Roonies are yelling at him because he's arrested. Next thing you know, he's fighting with his girlfriend. We're having problems. The Super Bowl year, they're playing the Giants that year in November, and that was a big game they lost that really could have curtailed their season. One of the reasons they lost that game is because he was pulled over and they found marijuana in his car. Got suspended after the Super Bowl. I mean, granted – one of the greatest catches in history, and we're, I, we are forever going to be indebted to that bend to 10 catch in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43 against Arizona. But next thing you know, he's suspended the, a year later, and then he's gone. So he's traded to the Jets for a number five pick. That's a tease. Who else wore number 10? Dennis Dixon wore number 10. He got injured. I can excuse that. But the big number 10, one of the biggest teases in Steeler history, was Cordell Stewart. Number 10. Came in in 1995 a Slash. The guy was absolutely amazing. Next thing you know, in 1997, he's in the AFC Championship game, and he's throwing three picks. A, four, a few years later, he's throwing more picks in the AFC Championship game. This guy had all the talents in the world, they wanted to move him to wide receiver at one point. The guy said, absolutely not. I'm a quarterback. I could actually say that this guy, if he was a wide receiver, might have been a perennial pro bowler as a wide receiver with the talent that he had. But his ego got in the way. He was, a, he was a huge tease. He had no peripheral vision. Number 10, I'd like to not see that. And the biggest problem I have with a number 10 is, I've got all three of those jerseys in my closet right now, just uh, collecting dust. So if anybody wants to buy them on eBay or uh, just call me up, I could give it to you for a song. So that is my final fact of the night. Zach, anything to close?
0: Well, you know, just to close on your, your final fact, I, I definitely think there's a little superstition involved, but I completely see where you're coming from. Uh, that being said, well, I'm all
1: superstition, Martavis,
0: man. <laughs> that being said, Martavis Bryant. Let's not forget the other culprit in that marijuana case, who was Le'Veon Bell. That man needs to be staying away from the weed as much as he can. Uh, Martavis can enjoy it as much as he wants, um, but maybe let's keep it away from Le'Veon.
1: <laughs> yeah, but
0: uh,
1: off to a good start with no more Legarrette Blunt. <laughs> I yeah, I think true. he was uh I think he was one of the main culprits in that deal there but uh, who who knows I might I might be wearing rose rose colored glasses there and being a little naive. <laughs> well with that being said that is the conclusion of Six Pack of Steeler Factor Fiction. Once again the show was sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and West Virginia and home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker and sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Visit them at www.centerfieldsmoke.com. Factor Fiction, Zach, we will see you back here next week for Six Pack of Steeler Factor Fiction.
0: Zach? Yes, I'm sorry. Apologies. I thought that's where we were ending, for God's sake. My
1: goodness. <laughs> no, is that a fact? Will I see you here next week?
0: I, that is a fact.
1: You can pencil that in. Uh, that is a fact for me, too. Once again, this is Brian Davis. Thank you, Zach Barnes, for joining us this evening and every week. And thank you for listening. That's a fact, and that's a wrap.